This mini-sode of the Oxford Comment includes discussion of sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to this mini-sode of the Oxford Comment. I'm Caitlin Phillips, the Independent Bookstore Marketing Coordinator. We're here today with Jess Lucas, uh, the co-owner of A Room of One's Own. Jess, would you like to introduce yourself a bit? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Jess. Um, I'm a recent owner as of July, uh, co-owner of A Room of One's Own. Um, we are a feminist-oriented bookstore that's been around uh, since 1975 in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. As school has been getting back into session, um, and as certain uh, events going on around us, uh, the concept and the idea of consent has certainly been on everyone's minds. Your store, Jess, is located near uh, the University of Wisconsin, correct? Yes, we were University of Wisconsin-Madison, which is the central school of the University of Wisconsin system. So uh, as students have been making their way back to classes, maybe more discussion or students maybe thinking more about consent, uh, thinking more about uh, education around sexual assault as school has been getting back into session? Um, I would say there has been a little bit. I mean, obviously, as a retail employee, there's only so much that I hear, but um, we do carry um, some course books for the university, professors that uh, choose to uh, list their books with us. It's mostly a smattering of uh, gender women's studies, but also graduate-level English, uh, African-American studies, uh, history, and even the content of the books for those classes, I feel, are more, more aware of that, and I think that the the sales and interest in topics, especially in women's studies, uh, regarding, you know, books regarding sexual assault, that's been, you know, especially with the Kavanaugh and the media cycle here, trying to, you know, do their own research on it as well as, you know, move towards something else, like see how we can change. <laughs> okay, great. And that kind of leads into my next question of do you know if the university does anything specific for teaching sexual consent or dealing with sexual assault as an owner of a store? where you're putting out literature that is important to you, um, you know, maybe seeing anything as colleges have changed, maybe. Yeah, um, uh, obviously, uh, University of Wisconsin-Madison is known as a college town, um, and we're in the number one binge-drinking state of uh, the United States. Um, and obviously, you know, col- college and drinking are high factors in sexual assault. And they actually just recently, in this last month, analyzed the data they got from 2017, um, and a lot of the... The statistics were similar to what uh, Donna had mentioned in uh, last week's episode on consent on campus, um, that, you know, one in four women reporting have been affected by sexual assault in college. There was one, a more high-profile case in this last year where a repeat offender was uh, charged on five counts, but 18 were dropped, and he was only sentenced to three years. Um, And there was a lot of outrage in the community for that, and I think that there has been more of an emphasis on where maybe they could be doing more. There was, an, again, they just recently published a study looking at this and, and emphasizing on how, you know, also marginalized communities are, uh, you know, even more affected by this, that the LGBT community, people of color are also, you know, seeing a higher rate of sexual assaults. So they, they're trying. I, I see that, you know, there's new, as well as you got this, there's also the Get Wise program, which is another kind of, like, more involved, like, involved program. But again, I also wonder, you know, how many people as seniors really recall the opinions they were learning with freshmen. College is such a 
such an exploratory experience. You have so much information thrown at you in that first year that I feel like when I went to college uh, some years ago, we had a similar kind of program where it kind of introduced you kind of in a peer group, kind of as your basic, like, okay, don't, don't do this, don't do that, make sure you're asking this. But I, I do see more of an emphasis now in bystander intervention and what consent actually is rather than just a list of, you know, protect yourself and do's and don'ts. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Donna talks a little bit about that um, in, you know, in the podcast, um, this sort of why she got inspired talking to women, talking to, you know, college-age women, um, you know, about how they were approached about sexual assault. And so much of it seems like admonishment, you know, it's, well, go out drinking with a friend and, you know, make sure you dress appropriately and, and sort of all of these these things. And none of it really addressed the idea of consent and none of it really addressed creating you know, she sort of says this culture of consent is that it's not something you need to be taught later in college, but also something that maybe needs to start earlier than that um, and be reinforced only when you get to college. You know, also, I think that, you know, it, what you mentioned about starting younger, um, and I'll have my book recommendation list, but also, you know, I feel like as this conversation's been opened up, it has been, you know, well, where do these points of view, where do these ideas of consent come from? Because if you're not teaching, uh, you know, like a healthy, appropriate model of consent, what what are kids learning at a young age? And especially in college, I feel like that's important because that is such like a churning time where you're, you know, you, you kind of like rubber to the road where the things you think you know about life are suddenly being put to the test and your own guiding principles and how you feel about yourself is also going to go into that. If you don't have a healthy respect for yourself, it's it's going to be hard to, you know, be able to set boundaries and negotiate like what consent means for you and like, moving towards things you want versus, you know, just saying no to things you don't want. Um, I think the recent move towards a more of a yes mean, you know, yes means yes culture, um, moving towards things we can embrace rather than trying to just reject terrible things is going to be also important going forward. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the store. Um, you guys really do a beautiful job of being a, a feminist space. Um, and so can we kind of talk a little bit about that um, in, in the sort of lens of sexuality, right? Is that how do you define sort of a feminist space? So often we kind of get mm -hmm. feminist hate sex and that's so far from the truth. It is almost funny um, yeah. if it wasn't so awful. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah, talk a little bit about sort of finding that safe space for women um, and, and for everyone to kind of feel, you know, safe to talk about sex and sexuality um, and how that can define them or not. Um, definitely. Um, I think especially moving forward, um, when Remove One Zone created in 1975, it was created, you know, to be, you know, literally Remove One Zone for women. It was fulfilling a need in the space where women were being represented in the publishing industry, you know, literature and like importance. And I feel like this is kind of almost like a, a place where we can renew that commitment kind of going into the fourth wave feminism, I feel like, which is kind of, you know, talking about social media and online petitioning for that organizing, but also how the media has affected, you know, how we see ourselves and how we see the world. Um, and there's also a focus on intersectionality. Um, as we mentioned before, people that are in marginalized groups are disproportionately affected by issues of like sexual assault and, and non-consent, you know, the LGBT community, um, other, you know, like 
other factors coming in class and ability. And we really want to represent not only in our sexuality section, but also support of a lot of different types of family and relationship structures, um, different lifestyles. You know, we obviously have a, a really strong women's studies section, but we also have a strong gender studies section. We're trying to branch out and see where our blind spots might be in what people are looking for in our bookstore. I feel like that's a strong advantage we can have as an independent bookstore that you know, instead of being a big box stores where our ordering is dictated by, you know, a central location somewhere, <laughs> um, we, you know, our our buying isn't just affected by what we think is going to sell, but we get a lot of input of people coming to the store asking for books, special ordering books, being linked to the, women, you know, gender and women's studies thing at the university. We always have a feminist faculty launch in the spring of people who have published books, and it's a good celebration. But we also get that kind of input. Those people are, you know, ordering books through our stores and, and buying books from our stores and saying, you know, this is actually a really good book on this topic. So as a bookstore, we want to be a resource, whether that's what, where you can buy the books you're looking for in, you know, the age of information, something that is, you know, educated discourse on a topic rather than somebody posting like a blog post of their opinion on it, um, education to read about different stories, to see yourself, you know, if you haven't traditionally been represented in, you know, publishing or a bookstore, it's great when you finally do find that book that you, that you know, makes you feel heard. <laughs> um, so we try to, yeah, we do try to really curate that to represent, you know, different different strategies, different activism texts, and, you know, have like a kind of base where you can kind of get ideas for, you know, not just yourself, but your community. That's awesome. Um, and can you also, since we've been talking about curating books, give us a list of maybe some of your favorite, either uh, nonfiction, um, or we did talk a little bit about YA novels, young adult novels being important um, to kind of start that conversation earlier. So if you just want to give us a couple of uh, titles, uh, that would be, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I think I'll start. Um, I know we at the beginning we had mentioned about consent and young age. Um, we actually have quite a few uh, children's books that have come out recently about consent, which I think is a, you know the great base to talk about uh, sexual assault in this kind of culture. Um, the book C is for Consent by Eleanor Morrison has been doing really well. It's a really great way of like talking about bodily consent, but also checking with your emotions. There's another one that we've really, my co-owner Gretchen is a fan of. It's strangely enough called Tell Me About Sex Grandma by uh, Anastasia Higginbotham, but it's also, you know, kind of framed as for, for very young people, you know, seeing, obviously seeing this talk of sex around them and, you know, addressing somebody in their life, like a two-year-old would be like, just tell me about this, and um, addressing it in a, in a gentle and age-appropriate way, but also in a very you know, a way that holds space and, like, dignity for, I think, people in, in that. Moving to YA, you know, when I was growing up, uh, The Perks of Being a Wallflower was a big thing that addressed sexual assault and consent. And this one, if I recall correctly, you know, it's a, a male victim of of sexual assaults, and so that was, like, kind of a change-up, but also, you know, kind of flipped the script a little bit. Uh, Speak by Laurie House Anderson was also a classic that we've seen that is still popular. Um, more recently, we've seen as you know publishers have also opened up it for different voices we've seen some different variations on that theme there's the book uh, saints and misfits by sk ali uh, as well as female of the species by mindy mcginnis in saints and misfits the main character is muslim uh, american and it's you know it's it's nice to see you know the comments on that book saying oh i finally have found myself in a book you know, this character represents me and female of the species kind of takes a YA kind of thriller uh, 
take on it where there's a lot, it goes a little darker than I guess you would expect for YA, but ultimately has some re really good issues raised in it about consent and, and such. Uh, moving on to uh, regular fiction, uh, Untamed State by Roxane Gay, um, who also wrote a, a book of essays called Bad Feminist. She's one, she's written so many good things, you know, on on culture, uh, and this is kind of her own. It, it's just really great. <laughs> I've heard so many good things. The main character uh, experiences an assault, but it, it's really the story of how she comes back from that um, and, and finds herself as well. It, it sounds a little, it sounds a little like you know simplistic, but it, there's so so much complexity to it that it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to have something to say about it. Um, as far as nonfiction goes, um, I, I really wanted to move on to some great, you know, there's so many things about the negative things of it, but also um, some positive some positive things moving into the future. The book Ask, Building Consent Structure, which is an anthology of different activist voices on the theme of consent um, that's edited by Kitty Stryker. Um, Emergent Strategy by Adrian Marie Brown, who also has a book coming out next year uh, on pleasure activism, which is really social justice as pleasurable experience, um, moving toward a fulfilling life, which I think is important as we're dealing with these heavy topics and, you know, almost soul-crushing <laughs> realizations that it's it's good to have a model of something that that is a model of support and how we can turn this into sustainable and keep up the good fight. Um, as well as The Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor, which is about radical self-love, but also reckoning, you know, the context of ourselves in the space of these larger institutions and these larger beliefs and how we can, you know, if we can't fix the system all by ourselves, we can at least, you know, do something for ourselves in the context. That is a great list. Um, I really love kind of going back to uh, board all the way down to board books. I do think that the conversation around consent has sort of blossomed into, well, it's not just about sexual assault. Consent also has to do with just sort of bodily autonomy in general. You're not required to hug or kiss or come into contact with anyone, um, you know, unless it's your choice. Exactly. <laughs> Jess, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, that was a wonderful conversation and, and certainly something that we will all be uh, thinking about on uh, for a while now. Uh, so thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me.